Welcome to the Green Finance Podcast, Tearsheet's podcast covering the role of finance in our collective fight against climate change. COP27 ended around a week ago, and by now we've all probably seen the headlines. An agreement was finally reached to create a loss and damage fund to help poor countries most impacted by climate change. Wealthier countries should pay, but exactly who will pay what is yet to be determined. While this agreement is a big milestone, there are some key aspects missing. There are no mentions of emissions peaking before 2025 or clear follow-through on phasing down coal, which is discouraging. To help us get a better sense of what happened at the conference, today we're chatting with Lubomila Jordanova, the founder and CEO of Plan A, a Berlin-based startup developing a platform that enables companies to measure, monitor, and reduce their environmental footprint and improve their ESG performance. She's also the founder of the Green Tech Alliance, a network of green technology companies that effectively fight the climate crisis. I'm always excited to talk to Lubomila. She's truly a champion of sustainability. So please make sure you follow her on LinkedIn for lots of insights on this topic. And before we start, I just want to encourage everyone to sign up for Tearsheet's Green Finance newsletter. That's where I put together our latest articles, as well as external research, charts, infographics, and videos and documentaries for finance professionals wanting to dive deeper into this subject. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's episode. Hi, Lubomila, and welcome to the Green Finance Podcast. We've spoken before at the Banking on the Planet conference, and it was a great conversation. Since then... Lots has been happening, but at the same time, not enough has been happening. Um, In any case, I'm very excited to have you on the show, especially given the timing of our recording in the second week of COP27. You were there last week, so could you tell us a little bit about that experience and what are some of your main takeaways from the conference? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure, especially since the conference that we shared, um, to be following the content and to be part of it. Um, COP27 was, as any COP, quite of a, a hopeful, but also in a way divisive place because you do see a lot of people you um, think similarly to, you see a lot of projects that give you uh, uh, a lot of confidence that we have uh, the tools and we're trying to scale them um, to the best uh, uh, amount possible. Um, but on the other hand, you see uh, a reflection of society in a small little village uh, that is with 40,000 people where politics intertwine with business, intertwine with social uh, um, issues, but also social justice concerns. Um I love going to COP. I was there last year and uh, this year because uh, I have a selective attention uh, uh, in the sense that I spend my time with people that I know would bring me uh, out of this conference uh, with um, a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts, uh, a a lot of hope. Um, But I know how it could be quite difficult for many people uh, to see it and then uh, draw the line and um, kind of feel comfortable given how packed up it is also with both good but also not so uh, positive news. Definitely. With so many discussions on so many levels, 
it can be hard to stay focused and condense it into something tangible. Besides the overarching themes that have been widely covered by the press, how was it different compared to other years? Did the substance of the conversation change? It was evident that businesses had done their homework, which was so exciting to see, to hear, to participate in discussions about. Um, last year, there was a lot of pledges. There was a lot of uh, announcements by 2040, by 2050, X company is going to do um, um, a certain amount of work to achieve uh, uh, decarbonization. Uh, this year, uh, I met probably 150 chief sustainability officers there uh, that all spoke with a lot of detail um, and with a lot of practical examples of what they've done within the last 12 months. Projects related to insetting, investment uh, um, vehicles that were set up to support the value chain uh, to decarbonize, um, businesses that have decided to fully transform their business model. A lot of big decisions had been made, and uh, I think a lot of work had been put. Um, that was so uh, incredible to see. Uh, it was so incredible to participate in conversations where the people on the other side were incredibly knowledgeable. Um, last year, this was not the case. Last year, there was a lot more. Um, I just became, since two two weeks, uh, Chief Sustainability Officer because we set up this position for COP26 because we know we need to uh, participate here. Uh, this year, uh, it was a lot more concrete, which gave me so much hope. On the political side, and I don't allow myself to speak about politics, but that that's where there was still... Uh, I would say uh, a little um, detail on quite a lot of uh, large, important uh, projects. Uh, lack of confidence in some of the decisions that were made last year. Um, rumors that we were gonna we're gonna go back to the two degree scenario rather than the one point five. Uh, but but uh, also uh, some progress on uh, some of the uh, initiatives related to the high level champions. So the Race to Zero initiative, which I can go into more depth, given um, it actually quite deeply connects to the finance industry. Definitely, because the finance sector was a key focus last year, with former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, assembling the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, with many pledges being made uh, from financial institutions. This year, it seems that we're moving from pledges to implementation. But the alliance has been having its rough patch throughout this year, with some members like J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Bank of America having issues with potential binding restrictions on fossil finance. Not a coincidence, since they are some of the biggest investors in this uh, industry. To clear the air, the alliance softened its language and said that each member of the group is, quote, subject only to their own governance structures. This has obviously sparked a lot of conversations around the actual results of this alliance. Where do you think the conversation is now for the sector? It is important to recognize what is the part of the financial uh, industry and the whole sustainable transformation of our economy. On one hand, it has a job to support the mitigation of climate change, which is uh, essentially financing the sustainable future. This is um, the transformative financing, uh, be it in vehicles, be it in just packages that can allow uh, for sustainable projects to be scaled. That means technology, that means um, 
improvement of infrastructure. Uh, that also means education. Um, this is a, a really huge part that uh, finance uh, um, professionals and also finance, financial institutions can play. On the other hand, you have the adaptation part. Um, unfortunately, we're quite advanced when it comes to climate change and the negative repercussions on the whole economy. Um, and at this point, we need uh, phasing out of investments from fossil fuels, um, changing uh, uh, also uh, kind of the the uh, the way we approach financing per industry. Uh, so supporting only uh, um, kind of the transformational projects that would allow for um, industries to adapt to the negative repercussions on supply chains, on value chains. Um, in this context, if I put it into what this uh, consortium uh, of institutions has uh, meant to achieve uh, was to support these two uh, kind of pieces of work, which are quite significant, and then enable uh, uh, actually kind of a few uh, uh, a few key uh, vehicles to be set up, but also um, I would say for the whole industry to transform itself. Um, one of the key topics that was covered uh, as a result from what had happened last year is a lot more focus on governance uh, of data um, and also like just starting to map out metrics and setting targets for the whole financial industry. We need to remind ourselves that last year this was uh, not even the case. You would look into financial institutions and they had no aligned way of thinking about sustainability. So that by itself is quite of a big deal. Um, the second element has been uh, defining an implementation strategy. There was a report that came out, of course, uh, on day finance at COP last week um, that specifically outlined what are the products, what are the services, what are the activities, what is the uh, framework for decision making, as well as policies and conditions that should allow for uh, the transformation of the financial industry. Uh, again, a significant piece of work. Um, and finally, there was an element for engagement, which was how, uh, after setting up such a vehicle, such a vision for the financial industry, you can engage your clients, your portfolio companies, also industry, as well as government and the public sector. It's true. The whole process has deep ramifications and the pressure is mounting for finance and banking to move from targets to solutions. But it's it's a daunting task for most folks in this industry and many don't know where to start. After all, not a single bank had emission-reducing targets at the beginning of 2021, for example. In this context, what does a decarbonization strategy look like for banks and financial institutions? So we, as Plan A, work with a lot of different banks, uh, BNP Paribas, um, Société Générale, uh, Deutsche Bank, uh, as well as um, other more newer banks like N26, uh, Solaris um, uh, Bank and uh, others. And um, on a practical level, what we see on the day-to-day -day is, first of all, uh, setting the overall target uh, for the institution and then starting to use this uh, as a, a activation uh, commitment uh, for all the different elements of the value chain uh, to be decarbonized. What this means is that uh, you start looking first of the monitoring bit. So you look into uh, assessing where you're standing. Then after the target has been aligned, you understand what is the amount of emissions uh, you need to reduce? What is the amount of negative impact you need to eliminate? Um, and then translate this into different um, initiatives. Uh, and 
with this in mind, uh, I think the banking sector, similar to what I was saying earlier, has two parts to play. One is to update the approach that it has to existing uh, activities within the bank. This is how do you change your thinking about who you finance? Uh, how do you assess climate risk? Um, and also, how do you uh, identify which of your clients are at the most uh, dire need for support on this transformation journey um, for them to be able to finance that? Um, the second element is really becoming a bit more, um, I would say, uh, risk-seeking uh, when you support the transformational technology that is needed in order to uh, scale uh, viable solutions for decarbonization. I cannot stress enough as someone that is building a tech company, but also as the founder of the Green Tech Alliance, where we have more than 2,000 members developing green technology, how difficult it is for uh, companies that are developing, for example, hardware um, that is for carbon capture uh, or uh, new materials, uh, uh, things that are maybe not uh, first in mind when someone thinks about technology uh, to actually get financing. Uh, so a bank also needs to start developing a more innovative thinking in order to support the scaling of these technologies that will be essential um, um, given the state of climate change. We're past the point of being able to solely focus on uh, updating uh, our approach to who do we finance, maybe phasing out uh, uh, fossil fuel related uh, investments. Um, we need to also rely on technology for this uh, kind of large collection of issues to be uh, addressed at scale. Yeah, for sure. We really need to migrate this capital away from fossil fuels and towards more sustainable technologies. But scale is an issue here. There needs to be more infrastructure built around that to facilitate high volumes in these new markets or sectors. And I'm wondering here, is this what's really missing from this whole equation? What is deterring banks or investors to really push the pedal to the metal uh, in this regard? Is it the economics of it all? Or is it just the fact that the momentum is just not yet strong enough? What do you think? We need education um, as a first step. I feel uh, even after COP, quite often there's a discrepancy between the level of understanding of the severity of the issues and also um, the level of importance this topic has uh, as we think about stabilizing our economy. At the moment, we live in a situation of continuous crises, and that is uh, by itself quite distracting, disturbing uh, if you combine this with climate change, uh, you might feel a bit uh, insecure where to place your attention. Um, we should focus on climate change as the sole issue uh, within the instability of our economy. We've had close to 12 years of more or less like uh, quite of a stable, but not in a uh, in a good way, uh, not in a, in a growth driven way. Uh, economy like GDP has been quite flat uh, as a metric which is a demonstration that uh, by extracting uh, uh, kind of resources from our planet and not taking care of it, we cannot uh, uh, assume uh, that our economic model is valid. So um, as a whole, I think by focusing our attention on understanding the severity of the issues, we are better equipped to manage more sustainably businesses, financial institutions and others. Indeed, there's so many things to pay attention to these days that the climate agenda is getting lost in the noise, unfortunately. But kind of going back to the chief sustainability officers that you mentioned, now the climate agenda has representative in the boardroom, right? 
So are they the ones that are meant to add fuel to the fire, to use a bad metaphor? I think it's a team play. There's no one person that is going to fix it. Uh, the most advanced companies that we work with within our client portfolio uh, have placed sustainability more or less in every single department in one way or another. Uh, because you need an integral thinking when you think about the transformation of your business. Um, I think it's just a matter of uh, um, making uh, making it uh, uh, an agenda on a top level, um, educating the employees across the board, uh, and then essentially uh, allowing for everyone to find a way to play their part. The chief sustainability officer, uh, quite often what you hear from them is that they're working towards making their job redundant. Uh, so I think this is uh, their main, uh, what is meant to be done. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense when you think about it. Um, what are you looking forward to next year at the next COP? What would you like to see come to fruition by then? I'm quite positive uh, of what I've seen at COP on the business side. I think businesses have stepped up their responsibility, have understood that they should not rely on um, governments or on frameworks to set the scene for them because beyond the compliance, there's a lot to do uh, for a business if they really want to transform uh, their model into a sustainable one. Um, I hope to see a lot more um, urgency. I think uh, it's never enough. Uh, just two days ago, there was an announcement that yet again, we're going to have the highest level of emissions in 2022 after a short uh, decrease uh, in uh, um, the emissions uh, in the beginning of COVID. There's no news that is particularly positive on the climate side Uh uh, so uh, I would hope that um, the urgency uh, in people's minds can allow for us to uh, actually start having tangible results that uh, reflect this also on the state uh, of the health of the planet. Yes, and hopefully we're going to start seeing some results sooner rather than later. And it's true, we do have to give credit to uh, banks and financial institutions for having started the process. They're thinking about it, they're starting the process and given your experience with the banks that you're partnering currently at Plan A, how has that collaboration been so far? And what are some of the practical steps for a bank to start this endeavor of partnering with a climate tech solution like Plan A? So we have been able to secure the trust of uh, all these different financial institutions, uh, including also private equities, VCs and others. Uh, with the big focus on uh, um, with the big focus on being science driven, um, also being focused on decarbonization and risk mitigation, and finally being aligned to policy. Um, I think um, a lot of the financial institutions are particularly concerned about all of the different uh, uh, kind of elements of this decarbonization sustainability uh, journey that does include compliance, that does include also uh, understanding the different steps you need to take. So having a more um, big view of what the big problem is that you need to solve for yourself and then breaking it down into what is relevant to the particular departments, team members and others. When do you think we're going to start seeing tangible results? How long do you think it will take for them to actually move the needle? I think there's a lot of vehicles that have been set up in the last few months, years, but they're just still an um, ignorable amount uh, in the context of the whole balance sheet of a bank or financial institution. Um, I think there's a necessity for us to move away from this idea that ESG is one uh, portfolio product uh, and there's other types we need to have 
certain set of criteria related to environmental, social, and governance topics for any uh, lending activity. Uh, there's no either or. There's really uh, only one way to look into uh, what is good for the stability of our economy. Um, the impacts that climate change has and will further have uh, on uh, how healthy uh, um, our economy is uh, uh, indescribable, uh, but they've been also placed into financial models, uh, but not yet with the climate risk associated to uh, the financial risk associated to them. Um, I think it's just some, it's a matter of uh, time for us to, to, to really focus efforts on uh, Starting to think across the borders, uh, we need a minimum criteria that gets us uh, in uh, uh, in a um, direction um, towards becoming more sustainable. Um, scaling these vehicles, uh, starting to implement these metrics that across the board, and also uh, again education. To read the transcript of our conversation, head over to Tearsheet.co. If you want to know more about the intersection of finance and sustainability. You can subscribe to our free green finance newsletter in your inbox every other week to get more insights and research into this topic. That's also where I'll be featuring every new green finance podcast episode. So sign up to stay up to date with all of our content. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the green finance podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be out with a new episode every two weeks. So I'll see you at the next one.